The text that this sermon is based off of is the wedding at Cana from John chapter 2. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Before our message, let's, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, fix our eyes on your glory today and your majesty this entire epiphany season. Amen. Now, when is Jesus's hour? Like, when Jesus says, my hour has not yet come, or my hour has now come, what do you think of? I know it's not Lent yet, even though Lent is coming early this year. I know it's still epiphany. It's only the second week of epiphany. But it's still an important question. We need to know when Jesus' hour is here, or when did it happen? Are we still living in Jesus' hour? Uh, Maybe you'll have to dig back into those confirmation databanks. Maybe it was a long time ago. Maybe you're doing confirmation right now. Maybe it was just a year ago or so. Well, Jesus' hour, especially in the Gospel of John, it is his betrayal his death, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven, all of those things, that entire Christ event, that's Jesus' hour. In this series of events, we know today as Christians that Jesus is the Son. How the Son is to be glorified and how the glory of the Father is made known in him. Yeah, we know that today. After all, it's how our sins were atoned for. It's how, you know, we're obsessed with it as Lutherans, right? Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, rising again and ascending into heaven. We sing hymns about it. We pray about it. We tell our kids about it. And I think this is a good way to try and capture what epiphany is, to to manifest, to appear. You know, what did that mean to an early Christian to think of epiphany like that? We have to think of how Jesus made his glory, the Father's glory, 
manifest in the world? Well, in the gospel today, the wedding at Cana, when Mary tells her son, Jesus, that there isn't enough wine, he tells her, according to the Beck translation, it isn't the right time yet. Well, his hour has not yet come. What kind of response is that to such a pragmatic request? I mean, his mom is just telling him there's not enough wine left. Why does he say this odd phrase? I mean, what did she expect of him? Well, he hadn't done any signs yet. He hadn't done any miracles before. Uh, This wasn't a habit of her sons to change water into wine, or at least not that we know of. Now, I'm sure you've heard the Christmas song, Mary Did You Know. Have you heard the Christmas song, Mary Did You Know? It's usually a solo at churches. It's on the radio a lot. Well, it's a Kenny Rogers song. It's a Clay Aiken song. It's a pentatonic song, Carrie Underwood most recently. A Christmas song. It was written in the 90s. It's essentially a series of questions by the singer to Mary Uh, leading the listener to wonder, did Mary know Jesus was the Messiah? Did she know he was God? Well, we, we know what Mary knew, right? It was probably the reading on Christmas, in Christmas Eve. An angel appeared to her and said, he will be great, called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God is going to give him the throne of his father David. And he's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever. There will be no end to his kingdom, and he will be called Holy, the Son of God. She couldn't have gotten a clearer answer from an angel, a epiphany from God. I mean, Jesus was going to be the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Messiah, promised to Israel and to the whole world. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's promised that the Messiah is going to do. And Mary knew what to expect. These faithful people were waiting for that Messiah for a long time. And their parents and their parents all the way back were telling them to look for these signs, for wonders, for miracles, for the hour of the Messiah's first appearance or epiphany into the world. And the givers of the law the rabbis, they'd also invented lots of rituals and rules by which one would have to obey and fill in that missing hole in one's heart where the Messiah is supposed to fit. The form that these strange rules took place in this reading today was in that ritualistic washing uh, of those from the stone jars They would have people, you know, this sounds hygienic today and we do it, but (laughs) it was religious, not pragmatic back then, to wash all the plates, the bowls, the utensils used in eating to make something clean, ceremonially clean, before it went into the mouth. Though we know now, because Jesus told us, it's actually what comes out of the mouth that makes you unclean or clean. Regardless, the hosts wanted to make sure that 
these rituals expected of them by all those lawyers, all those teachers of the laws, the rabbis, they wanted to make sure that they were following those. They didn't want to get in trouble. They, they had more than enough stone jars to fill with water to do this task, to do this washing, uh, each capable of holding probably up to 30 gallons, like Beck told us. Now, the reason why they're stone, not pottery or clay or what have you, it was speculated by those rabbis that uh, stone didn't carry uncleanness from fill up to fill up between washings like pottery might. You'd have to break the pottery and scatter it and do a whole ritual, not with stone. I imagine that stone jars were probably harder to steal as well. Uh, But Jesus had these all filled with water by these servants. uh, He had them drawn to a cup by Jesus' command. And uh, they took it to the master, the master of the feast. And whatever he drank was so good, that wedding organizer ran up to the groom at the reception and commends him. He glorifies that groom. He says, usually people use all the good stuff first, but you didn't. You waited until later to use the good stuff. I commend you. I glorify you. But the wedding at Cana is not occurring to glorify that groom, who some say, according to tradition, might be John. Other, others say it might be James's wedding, but who knows? The purpose of the wedding is to glorify the Son of Man, Jesus, Jesus Christ, the bridegroom of the church. Mary had already experienced the star in Bethlehem, the virgin birth, Simeon's pronouncement in the temple. She and the other disciples had witnessed his baptism when the Father spoke, when the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. John the baptizer spoke of his coming. And all those signs, they were all pointing so far to Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, that he would be the Messiah, the promised one of old, the son of man from Daniel, the son of God. And the way that the ministry of the Messiah was to start this day was through this sign of water being turned into excellent wine. When Mary says they don't have wine, she's right. They don't have wine. These faithful people, they only have this uh, fruitless water of ritual cleansing and all these other man-made rules of the lawgivers. They don't have wine. When the dinner manager remarks that they've kept the good wine until now, he's right too. Because he's talking about the Father keeping the Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, until the appointed time, until now. In today's Amos reading, we hear the words that Mary, the disciples, the Jews, had been hearing their entire lives, the promise of a Messiah. Amos says on God's behalf, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. 
When the mountains shall drip sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it, I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel. They shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine, and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. So, when Messiah comes, there's going to be a wedding feast. When Messiah comes, he's going to bring wine, abundant wine, excellent wine, because abundant is what glory means in Hebrew. When Messiah is here, it means that Yahweh is going to restore Israel like he promised in Amos. It's everything that we've been hoping for, praying for, waiting for. And he's here. He's here at this wedding. This wedding in Cana. And he's brought abundant wine. He's replaced the old dead rituals. And he's done it for us. I believe in him. That's the testimony of Jesus' disciples that day. It was not yet the Son of Man's hour, but his ministry had begun. And now today, we're still living in that hour. We live this side of the cross knowing now that the Son of Man would be ultimately glorified in his suffering, death, resurrection, and ascension for our sins. We know that we know what the disciples, what Mary did not know about what the Son of Man needed to do, to be lifted up, to die, and to rise three days later. They didn't know what Jesus would say when he would be betrayed, that his hour is also their hour when darkness reigns. We live this side of the cross in Christ's hour, but does this hour ever feel like what Jesus said, like darkness is reigning? Do you ever find yourself thrown out of your healthy habits and instead you're, I don't know, endlessly scrolling through Facebook? Or do you find yourself saying, I'll start that tomorrow? Do you find yourself Googling what self-help book or technique can prop you up this time? What can make the anxieties of the world that is getting darker and darker go away for just a little bit longer? Do you find yourself ritually washing your bowls and your plates and your spoons in stone jars, hoping that this crutch, these rules that I've set up for myself, maybe this will make my life better this time? Well, the good news, everybody, is that Jesus Christ's hour has not ended. He saw that his beloved creation was fallen. He came down and became like us to be that messianic replacement for all of those barren, harmful, fruitless systems that we've come up with on our own as crutches. He came to the wedding banquet. He saw that fruitfulness, that despair, and he replaced it. 
He replaced the water with the good wine. He replaced the water which leads all to be thirsty again and again. And he replaces it as only the Messiah can with good wine, excellent wine, the new covenant in his blood. Whoever drinks the wine, his blood of the son of man of Christ has eternal life and Jesus will raise them up on the last day. You, I, we, we continue to live in the Messiah's hour. Not of darkness, but of light, because he is the light of the world. Jesus, Messiah, displays the full glory of God in this hour, in his winning of our forgiveness of sins in his death and his resurrection. When he became flesh and dwelt among us, we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's what John says. This means that we see in Christ the full glory of the Father, of God, and even Moses, a very holy man, did not get to see. In Christ, we have what is not fruitless, not despair, but abundance, glory, the glory of God, of grace, of truth. And we have our hope in his return. When he will raise us up in all that we know and love, all the people we know and love that had faith in him, and, we will, and he will give eternal life to those who believed in him. So this epiphany, when God appeared to man in flesh, we're invited at that final marriage feast of the Lamb, the Lamb of God, to be like the disciples, to be like Mary, and to believe in Jesus Christ as our Redeemer and Lord forever and ever. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.